and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we are crushing straight back into terrible film land. After I previously reviewed The Cleansing quite positively, I decided to try my luck and review another film that has been sitting on my pile for a while, which rhymes. It's called Satanic. It's not to be confused with the film of the same name from 2015, which I've previously seen and is actually quite a good horror film even if it kind of shits the bed towards the end. This is the satanic horror film from 2005 slash 2006, which has Jeffrey Combs in it from many famous horror films. Uh, he's in it for all of about 20 seconds and seems to hate every single one of them. And yet his name is on the front cover of the DVD case and then also prominently featured in the credits. So I, I feel like they were kind of milking that what is essentially a cameo for all that it's worth. Um, the film actually has very little for him to do and very little to do with him at all uh, and it's not very good so I'm just gonna jump straight in um, with some basic information about it. So the back of the box says this about the plot it says satanic hell's halfway house journey into the heart of black magic in this riveting horror thriller full of edge of your seat suspense startling twists and dead bodies following a car accident michelle wakes up with amnesia and bandages over her face her nightmares hint that she's done something very bad now as people around her are murdered she must piece together her past before it kills her the film is a certificate 15 and i'm going to trigger warn for mentions of child abuse and depictions of situations similar to self-harm and suicide so the second that i put this dvd into my xbox it just jumped straight into the middle of a trailer about a shitty exorcism film which looked like a low budget 90s remake of the exorcist by way of days of our lives which was concerning um and not indicative of a quality production to follow and it, it, it was pretty accurate in its predictions. Um, we start the movie finally and are literally in the middle of some kind of car accident. There's like a car arm going off. There's broken glass on the ground. We see a woman like crawling over the glass and a guy hanging out of the windscreen going like, Michelle, Michelle. And she crawls over a, a kind of circular tablet which appears to have a pentacle on it. Uh, then there's a terrible explosion effect. Uh, shortly followed by a terrible car crash effect, complete with, like, I'm assuming car horns that they managed to find as, like, a royalty-free soundtrack clip. Uh, but we also see that the man hanging out of the windscreen has no eyes, or has bloody eyes, whichever. Uh, and we get a little cutback of him talking directly to the camera, saying, why would you hurt her like that? Uh, and appearing to gesture to someone in the back seat. Uh, so there's a lot going on in, in that section. Don't know how it manages to be boring, but it does. We then get into an ugly credit sequence, and it's pretty ballsy of this movie to have a credit sequence at the beginning of the film, which is usually reserved for, you know, good films that people care about the credits for. Most of the shit horror films I watch have the credits at the end, where you can ignore them. Uh, but th this is over some sort of, like, CGI flying around lava pit stuff which kind of looks like the opening of a disney channel original movie about the origin story of satan and then we get to see michelle post-accident she appears to be fine uh in her entire body is just like wearing pajamas she doesn't have any splints on she's not in traction she doesn't have any plaster casts but her head is in bandages a la the invisible man but you can see the area around her eyes and that area seems entirely unscathed as does her neck and she has a full ponytail of hair hanging at the back so her injuries do not seem to be extensive 
In fact, her doctor, Dr. Barbary, um, assures her that her injuries are minimal and that he'll be able to get her looking as beautiful as she did before because there's just some minor burns um, and stuff, uh, which we find out later is actually not the case. So it is very confusing as to, to what is actually going on. Um, she then has some terrible seizure acting in that she just kind of shakes her head around on the pillar and goes bleh. Um, and has a weird vision of a kind of burned mannequin man, uh, which basically looks like what would happen if you just poured latex over someone and then painted it to look burnt, which is great. Then there's like a five minute long, terribly active conversation between a janitor called Cliff, a nurse, and then a male nurse slash doctor guy and the doctor guy tells this really rambling pointless story about how the scariest thing he ever saw in a hospital was a man who came in with a high-heeled shoe through his eye and th there is no importance in this story whatsoever and then the janitor gets murdered so it's, it's just like why did i have to sit through this conversation between people who will never be featured in the film again it's just pointless and boring um before the janitor gets murdered they cut off uh, michelle's bandages as it's apparently been long enough that you know this completely restoration surgery that was actually not required because she was not really that injured except maybe she was because her whole hope was covered in bandages ah but they cut off her bandages in one piece like it's a plaster cast they just kind of snip up the back and then crack it off which i found weirdly funny uh, michelle doesn't recognize her own face um and she gets given her personal effects back which amount to and i i, I kind of want to see the inventory ticket for this one circular ouija board with a giant pentagram in the center and a planchette in the shape of a giant pentacle so you know no driver's license no mints from her pocket uh no cell phone just 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 you know your average ouija board and then she has a flashback of a goth chick who i think is her but i hadn't seen her face that much in the movie to actually know that it was her for quite a while but it is her this sort of goth chick sitting on the floor saying, oh, I made this Ouija board and it's a real one, not the game. To which my first question was, why is she having memories of herself in the third person? And it quickly transpired that the film wanted it to be a mystery that this wasn't actually Michelle. In fact, it is the core point of the film. And yet it is very obvious from the fact that in the first 20 minutes, she has memories of herself in the third person. So it's pretty obvious that that's not her. But um, we'll just go along and pretend that the film is clever. We don't want to upset it. She has some more nightmares about cryptic shit and, and the dad, who is the one who was driving the car, the guy with no eyes, uh, and a hooded figure. And then Cliff, the janitor, who obviously we care about a huge bunch, is jumped, chloroformed and killed. And his keys are taken. To what end? I don't think we ever really find out. Uh, Michelle is then told that she's going to a place called Harmony House because she's a minor and has no relatives and is a problem child and therefore needs to go into sort of like a halfway house, I guess, for troubled teens, except that she's at least 25. So that's pretty funny. Um, and then on the way there, the guy, Mr. Bisson, who really loves to mumble and be weirdly inappropriate, tells her a long rambling story about a strip club that got closed down because a stripper once kicked a guy in the face with her stilettoed heel and the heel went through his eye and killed him which seems to be relating to that first pointless story that we heard so now we've heard two pointless stories and i don't know if it's meant to be funny but it's never mentioned again it's it's kind of like that story that they constantly tell in orange is the new black 
Like, th- there's, like, the punchline of a joke that you hear from various characters and you never hear the full joke. I think it's about penguins and an eggplant or something. I don't know. But this isn't funny. It's just stupid and it wastes time. The filming also, I noticed at this point, just looks so cheap. In the car, it looks like they're being filmed by someone with a handy cam in the back seat. All the scenes like of people talking is not helped by the fact that the actors are mumbling and also they're in a really echoey room. Like it's not actually a set. It's just a room that they've been allowed to film in. Um, so it, it does look very cheap. And considering I've looked at like other low budget films, like more recently The Cleansing, this one just looks so, so, so cheap. Michelle then gets a whole bunch of exposition from this uh, mumbly poor man's Billy Bob Thornton, who says that she used to be a goody goody two shoes, but then 18 months ago her mum died and then she went off the deep end and became bad and she tried to stab her dad's girlfriend and there was all this like calls about domestic disturbance and I don't know how he knows a lot of the stuff that he's telling her because some of it would be public record like the police call but a lot of the stuff just seems like he's psychic somehow and during this conversation he mentions her parents and she says and this is a verbatim quote parents so there were two no shit. You didn't just have a dad who, I don't know, one day vomited up an egg sack and you came out of it. Obviously you had two parents. Anywho, he takes Michelle to her home to pack some of her things before she goes to this, like, halfway house. And you see a sort of mystery figure walking around in the background and then she gets jump scared. So that's fine and definitely needed to be in the movie. Um, We see the first honestly kind of cool thing, which is... A shot as she comes in through the bedroom door, there's smoke coming up from a recently extinguished candle, suggesting someone has just been there, which is kind of cool and a nice subtle detail. And we see her room is decorated in typical I'm rebelling chic. There's like headless Barbie dolls hanging from the ceiling. She's got Polaroids stuck all around her mirror. There's goth shit everywhere. And uh, the guy who is bringing her there just starts going through her lingerie drawer because he's greasy and disgusting and he gets a mouse trap stuck on his finger which I don't know why that is there because ostensibly Michelle lived just with her dad and her dad doesn't seem like the kind of guy who was you know interested in pouring through his daughter's camisoles but there's a mouse trap in there and also a black leather book with a pentacle on the front which disappointingly turns out not to be a book of shadows but just a journal. We get to the halfway house and Michelle is introduced to the three other kids who live there who are called Dutch, Larry and Dahlia. Um, Dutch is kind of a horny jock type. Larry is a poor man's Ryan Reynolds, but he's doing his best and does deliver most of the amusing lines in the film. And Dahlia is kind of a pierced ex-drug addict who's just too cool for school. We also meet the guy, uh, the greasy Bisson guy's wife, whose name is Jacqueline. Uh, She's kind of a giant bitch and calls Michelle a whore, amongst other things, and then confiscates a bunch of her stuff. Uh, And then Michelle starts reading the book with the giant pentacle in front, which for some reason went unconfiscated. Michelle has another weird dream about uh, a figure in black on the floor and this sort of silver skull ornament on the ground and her dad being like, who is this girl and what did you do to her? And in the meantime, Dutch and Dahlia try to get it on in the next bed. Uh, So we see some boobies, which um, I guess would appease any of the teenagers who are unfortunate enough to watch this movie. We see some more 
Boreas when uh, she also has a vision of her dad uh, whose chest is covered in what I thought at first were long pears uh, but they it turned out to be fake leeches except they look nothing like real leeches they're kind of thicker at one end and they're really long uh, and it's just weird like tiny manta rays just picture that uh, and his topless I'm assuming girlfriend is like picking them off him which is kind of gross Michelle wakes everyone up by screaming when she comes out of this nightmare which I mean you would uh, and then it's revealed that Jacqueline the house mother is wearing Michelle's confiscated lingerie which is disgusting we find out that the pentacle book is like a journal and that um michelle had been writing in it prior to the car accident she wrote that she put leeches on her dad while he slept and that she also wanted to drink his blood and that also the demon boards which are like ouija boards but specifically for demons uh, were often drawn in human blood and she wrote that she was making a board with her dad's blood and needed to make a sacrifice or something for it and uh, to this Larry is like wow that's probably a creative writing exercise which made me laugh he's 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 quite funny I kind of wish he was in a better film it's revealed that Jacqueline and poor man's Billy Bob Thornton have a locked room and they stick all the confiscated shit in there and then sell it to make money. Uh, this becomes sort of relevant to the plot later. At this point, we're 45 minutes into the film and not a whole lot has happened. It's just been like scene setting, some exposition and pointless stories about people getting shoes through their eye. But bless her, Dahlia suggests using the board to contact Michelle's dad to try and get some closure on whatever Michelle is having nightmares about. So Dahlia wants the plot to move ahead. So I'm right there with her. Um, so Michelle then does this with Dahlia's help and she starts whisper chanting. And the two of them are kind of transported to a completely black room, which has some candles around them. And then a hooded figure sort of appears in Dahlia's place. And Dahlia starts to like freak out and she's like, oh, I want to leave. And Michelle says, no, she's making a deal. Um, and then Michelle says something about someone being home early. She picks up a big silver skull and like whacks Dahlia in the face with it and is revealed to have then like slapped Dahlia in real life. Um, and she says that she did it because she didn't want her dad to know that Dahlia was there. So she's clearly mixing up the vision and reality. We also see some more flashback, which kind of makes it look like Michelle picked up a hitchhiker and then murdered them, uh, which is sort of revealed later to be what she thinks happened. The Ouija board thing is then confiscated, which obviously it would be, and locked in the locked room. And she has another vision of the like burned latex man, except his face is weird because the mouth that they have of like the prosthetic thing isn't moving. But you can see that like the cheeks bagging up where whoever's wearing it their mouth is moving like underneath the mask also the Ouija board is sometimes really thick like a round of log but then at one point when Dahlia holds it up it's just a circle of plywood so it's really confusing as to if there's more than one board or if they've just changed it between scenes and no one noticed it was very confusing so anyway Dahlia has been murdered there's 30 minutes left in the film and uh, her wrists have been slit and and she's died the police who um the policeman is played by Jeffrey Coombs he like was right at the beginning uh talking about you know the accident and now turns up again to say that Dahlia's wounds are the same as the wounds on the janitor and they suspect Michelle of, of being involved somehow so Michelle reacts to this much as you'd expect and decides to run away she confesses to Larry that she fears she sacrificed a hitchhiker 
Weirdly, Larry then decides to make his move by just, you know, touching her face. And he says he'll go with her. But she says she left her journal behind. And so he offers to go get it. Um, we did see her put the journal in her bag. But apparently this is just a ruse to get him to go away so that she could leave without him. She then turns around and does a classic midsummer murder move of going, do I know you? And then getting whacked with a piece of pipe uh, and then obviously taken somewhere unconscious. Meanwhile, Larry picks the lock to the confiscation room but gets caught by Jacqueline. We see that the shadow figure from before is now in the house. Um, Larry then goes back to where he left Michelle and she's not there, so he's a bit freaked out. And then we get some more hallucinations from Michelle, where she sees herself being interrogated by various people who are either dead or obviously aren't in the room with her, like the police guy again, uh, dead Dahlia, her dad, various other people. Larry then seeks out Dr. Barbary to try and find out what the fuck is going on with Michelle, because it seems like from her diary, she was psycho before, but now seems like a really nice person. And it is beyond obvious what has occurred, but... um you know we'll just let them puzzle it out in their own time uh michelle is then woken by poor man's michael keaton who is a guy wearing a woolly hat who we saw for about a tenth of a second earlier while she was being driven to harmony house um and he wants to know what happened to kayla and what she did to kayla uh, so it's pretty obvious at this point that she is kayla and has just been given michelle's face by accident dr barbary says to larry that he had to build her face out of nothing and shards of bone which directly contradicts what he said earlier and maybe he was trying to just make her feel better because she had no face but again the way she was bandaged and the way you could see the area around her eyes and her neck was completely fine didn't really scream you need full facial reconstructive surgery uh, if you've seen the trailers or actually seen the movie of the Soska sisters remake of Rabid you can see what they can accomplish by making an actress look like she needs full facial reconstruction and uh, this film missed that mark by quite a way fortunately michelle whacks poor man's michael keaton in the face with the pipe that he used on her so ha and then runs for it um and then dr barbary decides to like try and hunt down michelle's records to i guess see if she has the same dna that he thinks that she should have there's now 17 minutes left in the movie and i feel like we've got a lot of explaining to do so Maybe they could have moved a bit faster at the beginning. The burned guy and the shadowy figure sort of turn up uh, to torment Michelle as she like runs for her life. Uh, it's not really clear where she is at this point, but I'm assuming in like the garage of the halfway house because she seems to get back there really fast. We then see gloved hands soaring through the chain to the confiscation room. Uh, Michelle then asks Mr. Biston to call the cops because she thinks that she's remembered killing someone. But when she goes to see why he isn't responding to her, he's obviously been murdered and a blood pentacle has been drawn on the wall. She then, in quick succession, finds the bodies of Dutch and Jacqueline. So pretty much wholesale murder going on in this house right now. Larry is calling the house and eventually Michelle just picks up the phone uh, he says she didn't kill anyone, but she is kind of traumatised, so just hangs up. And Larry then decides to head back to the house to find her. For no real reason, Michelle then decides to just take all her clothes off to do a full nude shot while she takes a shower. Which is generally what I would do if I thought I was a murderer and was in a house with three dead bodies that I knew that I hadn't killed. Uh, you know, just take all your clothes off and have a shower. Why not? Uh, and then Larry arrives at the house to be met by 
Michelle, but now wearing a lot of gothic makeup and jewellery that she wasn't wearing in previous scenes. And he's like, you're not really Michelle, you're Kayla. And obviously this one is the real Michelle and she stabs him. So, bye Larry. Kayla and Michelle then like confront each other and then we see some more flashbacks which are the same ones as before but now at least the third person thing is explained and basically what happened was that Michelle lured Kayla into her house gave her a poison drink which Kayla threw down the sink and didn't actually drink then invited her to use the Ouija board with her at which point her dad came home unexpectedly so she knocked Kayla unconscious with a big silver skull ornament and the dad then tried to drive Kayla to the hospital Michelle was in the back seat and not in the passenger seat and she dug her fingers into her dad's eyes because she wanted him to crash the car and die while she bailed out of the back door and left Kayla for dead in the car. And we find out that this was all part of a ritual for Michelle to exchange Kayla's life for immortality. And that the reason Michelle has come back and you know killed people and cornered Kayla here is because she needs uh, Kayla to summon the demons and explain that Kayla is not Michelle. Because Michelle believes that Kayla gained the immortality that she bargained for because she thinks that Kayla survived being poisoned when we know that Kayla didn't drink the poison. And also that she somehow managed to survive the car crash, even though we're told that she needed massive reconstructive surgery. Maybe we're not sure. But... Kayla agrees to do this. They sit down by the Ouija board, which has been reclaimed from the confiscation room. And then Kayla says that she will sacrifice Michelle to the demons. They then have a fight, which sort of looks like what I guess the first run through of a rehearsal of any fight scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer would look like. It's basically people very obviously not hitting each other and going, eh, eh. Um, so that's boring to watch. But then Kayla clobbers Michelle with a statue of the Virgin Mary that she picks up off the floor and then hits her about a hundred more times just to be sure with like a really awful fake kung fu whack sound effect. And then we see Dr. Barbary just randomly in his office and he looks up and says, oh, there you are. We were worried about you. And then Kayla is in the doorway and she's like, oh, you didn't need to worry. I'm a survivor. And then the movie thankfully ends. So there's quite a lot of issues with this film, a lot of things that don't make sense. Mostly the quality of it is just poor. The acting is terrible. And I was really confused because when Michelle and Kayla, who obviously played by the same person, are on screen at the same time, Kayla is acting okay. Michelle's acting is terrible. But I don't understand how the same actress is doing such a terrible performance in one role and a slightly better kind of acceptable performance in another. Most of the people just can't act um, or in the case of Jeffrey Combs look like they don't want to be there and the general like sound quality is just poor. Also the quality of like whoever's writing the dialogue it's terrible. There are a couple of like kind of straight faced one liners kind of delivered mostly by Larry, um, which are kind of amusing. But the, the rest of the film is just not great. Um, I think there's quite a good story buried in here somewhere. The idea of the person being in a car crash and being given the wrong identity kind of reminds me of like really old horror films and it's kind of an interesting idea if they hadn't put in so many obvious clues as to what had actually occurred it would have been harder to work it out uh, but that first flashback from third person pretty damning because 
you don't have memories of yourself in third person. Um, so th that's unfortunate. I was mildly intrigued going through it as to what the actual reason behind the creation of the board um, and all this like ritual stuff was, uh, what it was that the original Michelle was actually trying to achieve. The fact that it was just like, oh, she was trying to become immortal just seems kind of like a place filler idea uh, that you would then replace with something that was a bit more personally relevant. But there was just sort of generally enough witchy stuff in there that it was kind of interesting to watch the midsection and try and work out what was going on. Um, but yeah, the beginning and end were kind of unwatchably dull and therefore I probably wouldn't recommend this film. As always, if you can think of any other films that you think that I might enjoy or that you think that I might loathe and want me to watch anyway because you're just sick and twisted and you want me to not have a good time, then do get in touch. You can do so on Twitter in the comment section of wherever you are listening to my voice right now. And don't forget if you are listening via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, to rate and review the podcast so other people can find it. And don't forget to go over to YouTube, search Witchfix Podcast, so you can see the videos that are put up. Uh, I do lots of like unboxings, craft things, hauls, various other things that don't really work as audio only. So they're videos on YouTube. And uh, so don't forget to subscribe to that. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one.